Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right, all right, all right. What's going on, everybody? Woo! How we doing? Good afternoon, citizens, youth. It is good to be with you guys. Let's go. Evening, let's go. Hey, I am so pumped to be with you guys this, uh, this evening. Thankful that you guys are here. And uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 34. We'll be in Psalm 34 tonight. We're starting a new uh, series tonight, just four weeks leading up to the conference called Invitation. And this is a psalm from uh, King David, and he is inviting the listener into experiencing uh, what the Lord has for him and what the Lord has for everybody who would follow after him. And it is a powerful psalm. It's one that's quoted many times uh, in, in music. It's quoted uh, many times when you're inviting people into saying, and it is a psalm I'm very excited to uh, open up together and read And uh, the Lord will teach us a lot, hopefully, in the next few weeks. And uh, hopefully our hearts will be set in the right space uh, to listen to God's word, of course, leading up to conference, which is just a month away, which is kind of crazy. My name's Noah. If I haven't got the chance to meet you, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. If you're brand new and kind of scared and like, I don't really know a lot of people here, I'd love to chat with you. Super glad that you joined us tonight. Um, Series, of course, is called Invitation. And there is incredible power in an invitation, An invitation contains more power than you might even know. When somebody seeks you out to invite you to an event, uh, to a group, to a team, to a party, there's something that like kind of lifts your spirits a little bit, right? If you're in the room and you're like, I've never been invited to anything, you're invited to the conference. All right, there you go. There's your little invitation. But there's something special that happens, especially in moments where uh, life seems a little bit stressful. Uh, There's power in an invitation. Maybe you found yourself here before. It's your first day of a new school. Maybe it's your first day of your freshman year. Maybe it's your first day at a brand new school. And uh, the lunchroom is a very stressful place. I know we had like two years where everyone like sat like away from each other. But the lunchroom can be very stressful, right? I remember when I moved to a brand new school my freshman year, I didn't know anybody. I met like a few people in my first few classes. You're just kind of standing up in this room full of like, it seems like thousands of kids and you're just like, all right. And there's something really powerful about that moment when somebody says, hey, do you want to come sit with me? There's something that's really powerful when someone says, hey, I've noticed you're really good at this. Would you like to serve on this team at church? There's something real powerful that comes with, hey, a group of us are hanging out on Saturday morning reading our Bibles. Would you like to come? We want you to be a part of it. Being invited into something is extremely significant because invitations can change your life. We hear time and time again uh, during baptism testimonies and during baptism videos that we create and baptism interviews, there are, there's like such incredible power in an invitation. There's students just like you who year after year after year one day professes their faith in Jesus to be baptized, and they get baptized in front of uh, the whole church, and you can trace their testimony back to, somebody invited me to camp. Somebody invited me to a Wednesday night. 
Somebody invited me to X, Y, or Z. An invitation can change your life. I remember when I was uh, just an intern at a church a few years ago, there was this really stressful invitation that I got that I didn't quite fully understand at the time what I was saying yes to or what I was saying maybe to. Let me explain a little bit. Um, I was an intern, like I said, at a church. We're actually going to have some interns here this summer, which I'm really excited for. Uh, Some high school interns, so get, get ready. If you're sophomore, junior, senior, think about it. Summer, internship putting it out there. Uh, but I was an intern when I was in college at a church, and uh, I was loving it. It was awesome. It was super fun. We got to do, I, I got to learn so much about ministry. I got to learn so much about student ministry and how much I, I was like uh, wanting to do it. And there was a really interesting invitation that was given to me in the middle of a team meeting. And this was all the staff uh, for the youth group, uh, for the youth groups across all of our churches we had. And it was a group full of like 20, 30 people. And the leader of our team kind of leaned over me. Now I'm 20 years old at the time. And uh, I'm only a sophomore in college, and he leans over to me, and he's like, hey, I've got a question for you. And it's like, there's like a meeting happening, and so like people are talking. He's like, I got a question for you. Would you want to not go back to school in the fall and just like stay here and work for us? And I was just like, whoa. And I just kind of looked at him, because I had never, this was like the first time he was saying something. He's like, okay, scale one out of ten. And I was like, three and a half? And he was like, hmm. I was like, that wasn't a great answer. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, it worked out in the end. But that invitation would go on to change my life because ultimately after a couple weeks and months, I would go from a three to a four to a five to an 11 and a half and say, yes, I'm in. I want to do it. There's power in an invitation. But more than an event, more than a party, more than a team, the psalmist David here is inviting the listener into something greater. More than any of these things, The psalmist David is inviting the listener into a personal, meaningful, and powerful relationship with God. An invitation to worship God, an invitation to follow God, an invitation to fear God, an invitation to find refuge in God, an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. And King David at the time, he is inviting the listener in to experience all the good things that the Lord has to offer. And hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years later, these words inspired by the Holy Spirit are doing the same. They're inviting you and I into a deeper relationship with the Lord, a more powerful one, a more intimate one, a more real one than ever before. There's an incredible power in an invitation to know the one true living God. And like I said, for the next four weeks, I'm inviting you as citizens to listen and to receive these words from Psalm 34. To listen with your heart and to listen with your hands, meaning you're not just willing to learn things or understand things, you're willing to do some things. You're willing to change some things about your life because of what you've learned and because of what God is going to teach you. So if you're ready to dive in, say, I'm ready. All right, are you ready to dive in? Oh, okay. When I ask you the question, you can say, I'm ready. All right, let's do it one more time. Are you ready to dive in? All right, we'll go with that. Lord, be with us. Be with us as we open your word, as we study it together. Uh, Would your spirit be uh, present in the presentation? And uh, would your spirit be impressing upon us how we can apply these truths to our lives? Uh, We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, if you've ever read through the Psalms, you know that this is a clear invitation to worship. And this is what's happening right here. This is an invitation to worship. Verses one to three show us that. And uh, this is pretty standard all throughout this book. The Psalms are kind of, uh, it's God's kind of like songbook for us. It tries to, and like when you read through these scriptures, our affections for the Lord gravitate uh, to him. Our affections for the Lord are kind of stirred up. And uh, this is a very clear invitation to worship. But what's really interesting about this passage is the context that it was written in. Do you guys see a little, if you have the ESV, I know it's for sure there. Do you guys have something right above verse 1? Do you guys see that verse? It says, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and went away. Does anyone have that in their text? Anyone see that? Raise your hand if you do. Great. We know the exact context in which this psalm was written. And so I want to tell you a little bit about it now. Context is really important. Have you ever had someone take something out of context for you? You've said something and someone like used it against you. You're like, that was, oh, was out of context, right? Like if you're like, I don't know, like you're playing a game with a friend and they do something dumb and you're like, dude, you're an idiot. And then later they're like, hey, remember when you called me an idiot? And you're like, whoa, 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 context, bro. I was talking about the game. I was talking about the game, bro, right? Has that happened to you? Oh, oh, yeah, whoa. Some truth in church today. All right, let's pray for our brother in Christ. Uh, he's just like, he's waving. I'm like, what is this about? Ex-girlfriend, all right? Yeah, um, context is super important. We need to understand uh, when these things were written to understand what uh, the author is trying to communicate to the listener. So uh, the book of 1 Samuel, we're going to read from it today. Uh, David, David, we know him from a couple of different stories, David and Goliath, King David, right? Uh, highs and lows, some significant highs, some significant lows. Uh, David's the youngest son of a guy named Jesse. The people of Israel during uh, David's youth and before that, the people of Israel just existed in a bunch of tribes. But they were all calling out that uh, to the prophet Samuel. They're like, we want a king. We want a king. And um, Samuel inquires of the Lord. And he, uh, the Lord blesses Samuel to allow the Israelites to have a king, even though their motivations at the time were completely off. But the people of God, the tribes of Israel, they call out for a king, and there's a man named King Saul who's the first king of Israel. Now, King Saul is a very flawed individual, if you've ever read through First or Second Kings or First or Second Samuel. It's really fascinating books. Um, and King, King Saul is an extremely flawed individual. He's hungry to keep his throne, but he's been plagued with anxiety and emotional distress. And so as uh, King Saul is starting to take his downward spiral, we get introduced to this character named David. And now David is probably the most unlikely person to be king. David is the youngest son of this guy, Jesse, and he's just a shepherd. And he has a bunch of older brothers, and he gets called to deliver a message to his brothers. And if you know this story, you know the story where uh, a Philistine giant is just taunting the people of God and he's, he's mocking the people of God and David steps up to him and the Lord empowers David to defeat this giant on the battlefield, all right? So all this is important to our context. As Saul's failing, God is calling the unlikely shepherd boy to be the king. But in 1 Samuel chapter 19, the story takes a dramatic turn. You see, King David is so plagued with jealousy and rage. King David's on the rise. The people love him. They have like their own little song for him in the streets that they sing to him. King Saul is so plagued with this, with jealousy and all these other things that King Saul tries to kill 
David with a spear. Everyone say, oh. wait, 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 wait. Once I say spear, once I say spear, everyone say, oh. King Saul tries to kill David with a spear. Oh my goodness, right? So here's what happens. If any of you get a spear thrown at you, I got one simple rule for you. Run, all right? Just like get out of there. Doesn't matter what's going on. I don't care. Hopefully it wasn't the king or like, I don't know. So anyway, David is a little upset about this. I'm imagining he flees. I want to read these few passages for us in 1 Samuel. If you've ever had a spear thrown at you, I'm sure you've uh, had a pretty tough day. But David flees, and it says this in uh, 1 Samuel 21. Again, this is, context is important. It says, And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands, right? David is a hero at this point. He's making a name for himself. The Lord has clearly anointed him to serve as king. And now, of course, Achish in this context, he's a Philistine king. And uh, the Israelites and the Philistines are obviously clear enemies. And so this is a stressful moment where David's fleeing and he's in front of one of his enemies. And they're kind of looking at him funny. They're like, wait a minute, I know this guy. Verse 12, and David took these words to heart, and he was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Yeah, I would be too. This guy's having a tough day, right? Sword, spear thrown at him, right? He's in front of this, like, enemy king. He's like, oh, gosh, I just need to get through this day. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands. Very cool. He made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. All right, interesting tactic. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see this man is mad. Why then would you have brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow continue in my house? David pretends to be crazy, and the Lord frees him from this guy. He lets him live. Pretty awesome story in the Bible. Then, verse 22, David departed there and had escaped to the cave of Adlam. And when he was there, his brothers and all of his father's house heard of it. They went down there to be with him. Listen to this verse. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in their soul gathered to him. And he became the commander over them. And they were with him about 400 men. And then David decides to write this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boasts in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You see, the call to worship the Lord far surpasses your feeling and your situation. The call to worship the Lord far surpasses our feelings and our current situation. See, David, in this moment, is fleeing for his life and he is hiding, but the Lord still delivered him. And that is why he is singing. You see, in this exact moment, David could probably come up with a list of reasons for why God isn't good. You see, in this exact moment, David probably could try and focus on the fact that he was just kicked out of like his, for, like his family and like all the things he loved and all the things he knew. 
He could probably pretty, be pretty upset with God for almost allowing him to be killed. But in this exact moment, David professes, I will continually bless the name of the Lord. I will constantly worship him through everything. There's a call to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you're feeling, no matter how good your day was. And I find this really comforting. You see, for a long time, I would look at worship, like musical worship. And, uh, you know, I went to a private school, so we'd have chapel every single Friday. I had youth group every Sunday. I had youth group every Wednesday. I had a lot of experience with church and, and musical worship, like, like thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of my life in church buildings and listening to the word of the Lord and all these things. And I would always feel so awkward during singing because I was like, there are some people who like feel worship and I'm like not a worship guy. And so I just kind of sit there and feel a little awkward. But there was something so freeing when I realized that it's really not about my feelings. And now there's certainly moments where we want to rejoice. There are certainly moments where we recognize and we see the Lord's goodness and we're just like overwhelmed to sing. And that happens at like Wednesday nights or camps or conferences. But the call to worship the Lord is more than just actually singing. The call to worship the Lord is a call to serve the Lord with your life, to magnify the name of the Lord or to make much of his name. And you can do that through serving. You could do that through talking to a friend. You could do that by obeying your parents. You could do that up by obeying God's word. You and I are called to constantly worship the Lord with not just our words, but with our whole bodies. But there's still a commandment to sing to him. This was really freeing for me as I started to learn this and understand this. And I wish I had gotten it a little bit sooner. We're constantly to sing to the Lord. Now, this is why we want to push back on like a experiential worship experience here at Citizens. Right? It's not about the lights, it's not about the music, it's not about the sound. It is about the Lord. We are worshiping him. We are elevating him. And this is a space on Wednesday nights where you, in spirit and truth, have freedom to forget everything that's going on in your life or even have that thing in your life that's happening and focus on magnifying the Lord. If he has saved you, if he has called you from death to life, you always have a reason to sing no matter what you're going through. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Constantly worshiping the Lord. This is a daily sacrifice. Paul says this in Romans. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. All right, worship is a mind and spirit and soul and body activity that we bring before the Lord as a sacrifice. And even in the middle of this cave, after a pretty traumatic experience, David says, I'm going to bless the Lord. Why? Because he's delivered me. And he'll deliver me again. And he'll deliver me again. And he'll deliver me again. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Look at that word there, soul. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. In scripture, the word heart and the word soul often refer to the deepest parts of who we are. When God looks at you, he doesn't just like look at your clothes or your hair or the things that you like did that day. He doesn't look at your accomplishment. He looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. This is actually in, in uh, 1 Samuel. Man 
looks at the outward appearance, what you have to bring to the table, and judges you based on that. And God looks at your heart. God looks deep into who you are when nobody else is around, when it's just you alone. Who sees you? Who knows you? God. And this is what the psalmist says. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. It's relatively easy to boast in the Lord with your words. It's relatively easy to boast in the Lord on like your Instagram bio. It's like very easy to boast in the Lord when you sit together in a small group. But this is a deep affection for God that David is speaking of here. This is a personal and real and true connection to the living God. My soul boasts in the Lord. When everything that I have here on this earth fails, I have something that's immovable. I have something that will never shift. I have something that will never fade. My soul boasts in the Lord. That's where true joy comes from. That's where true uh, consistency in happiness and joy comes from. In an, in an immovable God who has made himself known to you. And only hearts and souls that have been changed by God can find hope in God. Only souls that have been uh, grabbed by God and transformed from death into life can truly experience that. And God's inviting you into a relationship like that. And so is the psalmist here as he says, let us bless the Lord together. My soul makes boast in the Lord. Look at this. It says, let the humble hear and be glad. You see, only a humble person can be thankful about this news. Only a really humble person can be thankful about this news. Why? Because this means that the Lord's in charge and I'm not. And only humble people are glad when they hear that. Let the humble hear and be glad. You see, when we are existing in our pride and in our arrogance, it's really hard, basically impossible to worship the Lord. Because we're either worshiping God or we're worshiping something else. And whenever we take God off of the uh, throne of our hearts, we're 99% of the time worshiping ourselves and what we want and what we find to be attractional or what we find to be uh, good in that moment. Let the humble hear and be glad. There is no true and genuine worship without humility. There is no true worship without humility because it's not about you. When you're serving, when you're living your life, when you're singing, true worship comes from humble hearts. It's not about us. Some of my favorite worship leaders in the entire world do not care at all that their name gets known. All right, they almost begrudgingly have been able to influence a lot of people, but in their heart of hearts, they don't, they don't want their name to be public. And those are the people who should be worshiping the Lord on the stage, right? And on the platform. It's not about you and me. It's about a humble heart before the Lord. There's no true genuine worship without true humility. To worship the Lord is to deny yourself. Let the humble hear and be glad. Pride will completely destroy a heart that is made to worship the true and the living God. In so many moments where it's like, I just like, I don't know, I just don't feel like worshiping. Humble yourself. It's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's about God. If you think for like two nanoseconds, you can think of all the awesome things that God has done for you in your life. And if you don't know and you haven't seen the Lord do awesome things in your life, stick around, wait, seek the Lord out. This is where the psalm is actually going to go. So this is a call to worship the Lord. Look at verse four. It says this. It says, I sought the Lord 
I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Excuse me, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. First, we have an invitation to worship, and this is a story of deliverance. This is a very personal story of deliverance. I mean, we just read about how the Lord delivered David. We read about how he was brought to near death into being saved and being in a spot where he can survive. He could live to see another day. Look at this in verse 1. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. You know, and that word uh, sought, that word is never used in Scripture in the context of something that can't be found. Meaning that when the psalmist says this, he's implying that when you seek the Lord, you can always find him. It is always possible for him to be found. Never once in scriptures, this word saw, I read this today and it blew my mind. This word saw is used like seek out the Lord. It's like, ah, you can't really find him. No, it's always used in the context of being able to readily see something or experience something. And David is inviting the listener, you and I, to seek the Lord and to be found and to find the Lord. And this is his personal testimony. The Lord, I sought him out and he answered me and delivered me from my fears. When you and I seek the Lord, he can be found. Now, ultimately, God is sovereign over all things. He revealed himself to you and me. That is absolutely true. But there's something to be said here about seeking out the Lord with everything that you have in you. It's kind of this time of year where we're trying to read our Bibles a little bit more. And it's right around this time where a lot of people that I know, friends, older, younger, everyone across the spectrum of age or spiritual experience, they'll kind of say something to me like this, and maybe you've seen this too, right? I was reading my Bible, but I just didn't really like, like feel it today, right? We'll go through seasons of that where uh, they just talk about how they don't, they're not really feeling it, Right? And then maybe they'll complain or they'll bring up issues or problems that they're having in their life. And they say, oh, if only I, you know, I just want some rest here. I just want some peace here. I really wish the Lord would make this clear to me. And sometimes a really tough question is like, okay, well, have you sought the Lord? Did you seek? Are you seeking the Lord in your relationship? Or are you just wandering? Are you just like gravitating like around where the Lord is? There's a difference between wandering and seeking. There's a difference between aimless looking and searching. And the psalmist here, David, says, I sought the Lord. I, I called out to the Lord. And he answered me. My wife is awesome, and she got me this thing for Christmas. Uh, she got me an AirTag, an Apple AirTag, which was like kind of a backhanded insult at the same time as like, also having like an incredibly thoughtful gift. Um, I realize this is kind of a gift for her because there's like so many nights where it's like, all right, ready to go and be like, wait a minute, where are my keys, right? And like, we're stuck like looking around the church for like 20 minutes. Um, what I like about this is I never have to wonder where my keys are ever again because of this little device. It goes down to like the centimeter and you're like, oh, is no just figuring out about technology? Listen, let me be excited about this, all right? It's crazy, all right? I never have to wonder where these things are going to be. Now, I'm going to put these down. All right. 
just so when I'm walking around later, they're right there. Um, the Lord can always be found. You never have to wonder where he is. You never have to wonder. Now, we may not know what he's doing. We may not like the story that he's put us in. We may not like the situations around us, but he's always available to you through his word, through his church, the people of God, through prayer, through just calling out to him. God's near. My question to you is, are you seeking him out? Or are you just wandering? In the moments of discouragement, in the moments of, I wonder what's going on. I'm not really feeling it. Why doesn't it feel like X, Y, or Z? Or have you sought the Lord? That's a tough question to ask. But he can always be found. This is the story of David. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ should be able to say that with confidence. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Verse five, this is the gospel. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. When we look to the Lord, our faces are radiant with joy and purpose and thankfulness. You see, uh, Moses, years before this, would physically have a face that was like glowing a little bit because he spent so much time with God. That doesn't really happen today. And I'm actually kind of okay with that. Imagine like not doing your Bible study and be like, well, your face isn't glowing, bro. Like I could tell you didn't read your Bible today. Our faces, that was a way funnier joke than you guys Thanks. I just thought of it. All right. So Moses had a physical like radiance to his person when he would go to be with the Lord. And of course, David's probably referencing this in some sense. But Christians who follow after the Lord, who seek him and find him, there is a joy that comes over this person. You, like when you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God loves you, that he cares for you, there is something that you just can't contain inside of yourself. You have to give it to others. Their faces are radiant. When we seek the Lord, he will be found. He will deliver you from the thing that is stressing you out, right? Even not if in this life, ultimately in the next life, he will deliver you. And when you connect with him, when you spend time with him, you can't help but show it. You can't help but speak it. You can't help but profess it. Those who look to him are radiant. And their faces shall never be ashamed. This idea of like a face being lit up with joy or a face being ashamed, right? This is a very cultural thing. When you were in deep mourning or in deep sadness, you would hide your face. You'd cover it. All right, and when you're in deep uh, thankfulness or joy, you would show it, right? The reason why we can have faces that are never truly ashamed is because the Lord has saved us, not from a spear, not from an angry king, not from anxiety, not from depression, but he has saved us from something way more significant, and that's ourselves, and that's our own sin nature. You see, this is the gospel, that those who look to God can never be ashamed because they have the joy of salvation. If you're struggling with guilt because of the things that you do in secret, if you're struggling with anxiety because of the sin that you've been committing in your heart, 
When you turn to the Lord, he's faithful to forgive you and he will make your face radiant and you'll never be ashamed because the Lord is good, he is kind, and this is the gospel in verse five. And then verse six says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him. It's this back and forth here in these few verses. It's a general and then specific call to worship the Lord. David said, hey, this is what happened to me and it could happen to you as well. And this is what Christians get to do in 2023, thousands of years later. The Lord delivered me and he can deliver you too. That's an invitation we're sharing. That's an invitation worth professing. That's what David, the psalmist, the author of scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is telling us today. When you look towards the Lord, you will not be ashamed. He is willing and ready to listen to you, to guide you, to comfort you, and to protect you. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers him. Angel simply means messenger, actually. In scripture, sometimes it refers to uh, the, the, you know, when we picture angels, we probably picture them like around Christmas time with the wings and like they're just kind of look like humans. That's not exactly what angels look like when they're described in scripture. But the angel of the Lord protects. Some people look at this and they're like, that means guardian angels are real. Eh, okay, maybe. Um, but what's most important about this? The Lord is the one who is doing this. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. There's only one who can save. There's only one who can save and there's one who protects you. His name is Jesus and he is available and ready for you today. He is inviting you in to something more. And so the call from this today is to seek out the Lord and worship him. Seek out the Lord and worship him. If you want more this year, right? If you're tired with the same old, same old, if you're tired of the typical, if you're tired of the same old, I, I feel good for a few weeks and then I sin and then I'm just kind of like out of it. If you're tired of that, if you want more of the Lord, if you want to experience his goodness, this is not a puzzle. This is not a riddle. This is not a roadmap. This is not a list of rules. This is an invitation and the invitation is this, seek the Lord, turn your face to him, your face will be radiant with joy, and you will never be ashamed again because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. But what I can't help but notice about this as we close is the clear reference to humility. Verse two, it says, my soul makes its boasts in the Lord, let the humble hear and be glad. And verse six says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Humility is a key part of not just worshiping the Lord, but living for the Lord. Maybe you want the good things that God has to offer you, but you don't want to recognize the sinner that you are. It's not really going to work out. Maybe you want all these awesome things that God has to offer you, but you don't really want to recognize him for who he is. And the challenge for you tonight, if you're in that boat, is to simply what? Humble yourself. To humble yourself means to say, God, you're great. I'm not. I will worship you in spirit and truth all of my days because the only good thing that I have in this world comes from you. That's a heart of humility. And that is what is going to allow you to experience more of the Lord's goodness in your life. He is inviting you into a deeper relationship with him. Seek him out and worship him. Have a humble heart as you do it. Student, I beg you, I plead with you, 
listen to the Lord as he calls us over the next few weeks to a deeper and more purposeful relationship with him. In humility, we confess sin and recognize that Jesus is king. And with joy, we turn to him. And with thankfulness, we see how he's delivered us. If you're a Christian in the room, and you know the Lord, there's so many people around you who don't have this joy. There's so many people who don't look to the Lord and see good things yet because they don't know him. And you can be an example of how good God is by being good to the people around you. You could be an example of how good the Lord is and how he delivers you by being joyful around other people. You have an opportunity to not just yourself be invited into a deeper relationship, but to invite other people in. And that's what we're praying for for the next four weeks. That's what we're praying for as we gear up to this event where we have hundreds of people join us in this room to worship the Lord. And that's what we're asking the Lord to do. Less of us, more of him. So why don't we pray together? Lord, we love you. We're thankful for the time we share uh, in your word. I pray that um, we believe these truths in our heart. We're thankful that you've invited us into a, a deeper and more meaningful relationship with you. God, we're thankful that um, we uh, can look back at our lives and see where you've delivered us, how you've delivered us, what you've delivered us from. God, I think that in moments like this, it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to allow the enemy to uh, kind of creep up into our minds and say, see, look at how you haven't followed all the rules. But God, thank you for uh, inviting us and thank you for inspiring David to write this so we'd be encouraged by it thousands of years later. God, I pray that students in the room would worship the Lord with their lives, not just their words, but their actions and their soul. I pray that the students in the room right now would uh, be humble as they would look at this verse and recognize the humility that the, your servants have in serving you. God, I pray that we would be a humble student ministry as a whole. All the leaders, all the students, myself, anyone who gets on this platform, would we be humble and we would just ask you for more? Thank you for Jesus. Lord, it's in your precious and holy name. We pray these things and we're thankful to know you. We're thankful to know the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.